Hello, Cryptonauts. We got another awesome episode here with Jake Jabarelli. I hope you enjoy it. Um, definitely check out the referral links if you haven't checked them out. Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, what do we have? Coinbase, Gemini. We have Celsius Network. Brave Browser, which I highly recommend. Definitely check that out. Um, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. And if you do, definitely check us out on Discord. And I'll leave all those links below. With that said, well, let's get started with the interview. Adios. All right, JK, what's going on? What's up, John? Uh, I'm just uh, making my commute home, so never awesome. mind the background noise. <laughs> All right, no, that's, that's no problem. Hey, thanks for being on the podcast again. I always appreciate it. It's been a while. I think I had you back on uh, episode number 140. Right now, we're like in the high 160s right now, so it's it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yep. Um, how, so what's what's the new, what's the update, man? What you been doing? Oh. Uh, well, struggling with uh, my coin mining operation. It's it's mostly stable, but I keep trying to get back into ETH Classic, and it, I don't want to go into the Guardian's details, but I'll just give the synopsis that it doesn't, for some reason, the mining tool that I'm using keeps thinking that I, I'm using a four gig miner, and it keeps going, oh, you can't do that. You're you're going to be in degraded mode i'm like no it's eight gigs it's always been eight gigs it's never been four gigs interesting so anyways it's okay so here's a follow-up question on that so has the upgrade already happened where four gigs are no longer usable yeah only on eth though eth classic rather eth will be probably good until the end of december uh 2020 but out i mean i know i'll put it this way it will still work it just won't get the same performance as anything that's running eight gigs or, or six gigs or anything more than four gigs. And, and that's, that's true in general. I think they said that, that uh, four gig miners will actually continue to work on the DAG files that are too big until it's so big that there's just, it, you know, it's like two gigs beyond what's even capable of, of producing. And I think they said that won't actually happen until like 2022, but it's still, basically degraded to the point where it will just go down and down and down and down until you can get absolutely nothing out of a four gig card. Interesting. So, okay. So let me ask this. Um, so are you mining ETH classic because, Oh, actually let me ask that. Are you mining ETH classic? Yes. Uh, well I was, and then my four gigs that I was using previously quit because they couldn't do it anymore. And then, uh, uh, I tried, like I said, this weekend, I tried doing it with my eight gigs and because of some weird issue, it's not working. So I'm just leaving that alone. It's okay. not really that much. It's not that much more profitable still. So I, it doesn't really matter that much to me. It's interesting that you that you say that because uh, I was re- reading an article about ETH Classic that there was a new um, update to uh, uh, to their to their algorithm. And I don't know if you've received a new update or you're using a new uh, new software on that. It was uh, an, up- an update in regards to their uh, to the recent 51 attacks, 51 percent attacks. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, but the fifty ones, but it's not. Um, how do I put it exactly? Uh, it's it's there's a problem with the OS I'm using, so it's not so much that I couldn't do it if I just changed OSs, but I just it, it's enough of a hassle to even bother trying that I had, and I spent almost twelve hours doing it on Saturday, and I just got fed wow. up with it. It's like. I don't want to waste 12 hours of time. I could just be mining ETH, uh, your regular ETH. So I'm going to 
find another card and just do it with another machine. Okay. Well, I'm officially done uh, mining um, Monero. Just I just did a little bit just to test. I, I like testing out blockchains to see how they uh, how they work on my computer to see you know how much I would get out of it. And so far, right now for the laptop that I have, the most profitable thing that I got going for me is uh, Ravencoin. I think that's called, what it's called, right? Ravencoin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm doing Ravencoin yeah, too. Yeah, I really like Ravencoin. It's it's I I, I I'm getting a lot of profit off of that. But my uh, my pool that I use currently just just shut down uh, as of today. Today's their last day. After, oh. after so many years of being on uh, being online, they finally shut down. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why. I thought I thought Ravencoin was was profitable. I mean, but uh, apparently not for this pool. So I don't know. I, I turned off all my stuff, and uh, maybe I might switch pools. Or maybe just uh, not mine for a while. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm really uh, working on code right now, trying to get. Uh, well, I guess this is all hobby stuff for me. So I like just to uh, mess with different code to see what I can get out of it. Um, and it, so far, I'm just tinkering with uh, how to how to make a, you know, my own my own coin. And hopefully, maybe sometime in the future, I can make a coin for cryptocurrency chat. That I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was a there was a guy. Uh, can't remember what coin he made, but he just on a whim decided to take the, the, the script algorithm and make his own coin. And then when he posted it to open source forum, some legitimate big group in Australia took it and made it into Australia Day coin, um, which is still a coin you can mine even now. Um, but this was like two and a half years ago when this guy decided to just randomly make his own coin, which he's not supporting. But this other coin that was a derivative of his is still used. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of neat that, that you can. You can literally, anybody can, if, as long as you're willing to set up the hardware, you can make your own coin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Filecoin has been around for about like three years or maybe even a little longer than that. Um, have Did you get a chance to get in on the Filecoin uh, rage? Now that if... What now was... That if file, what, spell it... I, what coin is it? I'm not hearing. Filecoin. How do you spell that? F-I-L-E coin. Filecoin. Oh, no. No, not file. Sorry. I thought you said Viacoin. V-A-I-A. Um, no, I uh, I never got into Filecoin. I didn't even know there was a coin named Filecoin. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. There's a lot of coins out there. So. Yeah. Well, Filecoin just came out with their, their main net, uh, what was it, a day or two ago, and people made some pretty good coin off of that you know it's been out for three years so a lot of people had a lot of time early on to uh to earn ious more or less iou filecoin tokens and uh basically they they cashed out they made some good coin off of that i'm telling you right now they made some good profits off of that um it's one of those things that you know you sit on it for three years and if if the coin if the developers are able to produce a product that's 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 worth something then then it's definitely worth it but otherwise who knows they could have gone under in those three years anything could happen in fact I've invested into a lot of ICOs and some of them went up and some of them I lost a lot of money off of it you know and Filecoin was one of those ones early on that that I I think they also did an ICO where you could have gambled you could have bought into it and 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 hoped that in the in the next few years, which currently as of now it came out and it skyrocketed to like a hundred and like fifty bucks. Literally, literally oh. you're buying it for pennies and it's up to hundred fifty bucks. Now it's back down to I think think forty six bucks. Um, but that's that's still amazing. Forty six dollars and you're only paying three cents or five cents, whatever it was at the at the initial 
Bitcoin offering. That's amazing. Yep. And then I'll, that is why ICOs were so popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I ended up doing was I ended up uh, tinkering with storage coin for a while. Um, have you ever used that before? I've never used I don't own any, and I've never used it. Well, okay, so storage coin, file coin, and SIA coin, those are all three different algorithms that pretty much um, allows any computer or, or user to rent out their extra hard drive space. And so what these uh, protocols do is what they'll um, – basically, you could upload your files on these decentralized platforms, and what it does is it – tears up that data intentionally to provide um, uh, privacy and it delivers a little piece of chunk to all these different computers that are basically like server nodes, right? So it makes it private. Yep. Nobody can hack or try to um, take your data or try to uh, erase your data. It stays everywhere. And you as that main uh, computer that owns that, that uh, data, you can retrieve all those pieces and basically do what you want with it. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's for people that, um, have, uh, that have their data, basically they want, they want to keep it private or they want to be able to have it accessible um, on the internet without it being blocked. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, this is actually the same policy or the same concept that library, library.tv did, um, the library token. Yes. All the videos are stored and all the media in library are stored everywhere. And that's the reason no one can block it. Well, I mean, you can request that the servers not show it as in not show a listing for it, but anybody can list it. So just because library servers might not have it doesn't mean anyone else couldn't find the index. Right. But if I'm not mistaken, a library does use um, AWS, right? Or Yeah, for their primary, for their storage, yeah. But that's just their, as, as far as them being a company that, that uh, hosts their own data, the data that they you know, distribute amongst all the people who have accounts is, you know, in the decentralized network, as it were. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's more or less the same thing. That's pretty cool. Yep. I, I, that's fascinating to me. You know, that, I, I love that idea that, that people can do that now. That's, that's revolutionary to me. Um, another thing is, um, let's, let's talk about exchanges, uh, because this is just in the back of my head that I really want to talk about. And, uh, and I was talking. I was texting you earlier in regards to uh, to one of the exchanges that I was using. I don't know. Should I say that? I don't know if I should say the name. I, I'll just keep that low key for now. Uh, but in regards to like, huge fees for purchasing and withdrawing those tokens, that is insanity. It's insanity. So you know, I I use a lot of exchanges because I, I do a lot of things with crypto, right? That's a hobby of mine. So I'm always I'm always checking out code. I'm always di trying different algorithms, different protocols. I'm always messing with different sites, different exchanges, different coins. I'm doing a lot of different things because it's all to me. It's all revolutionary. I want to see what it does, what it can do, what it can't do. So same thing with exchanges. I mess with a, a lot of different exchanges to see what they offer and what they don't offer, what the what the advantages, what the disadvantages, and uh, and a lot of them honestly, unfortunately. Unfortunately, for a average consumer or an average customer like myself, it's it's frustrating that I I'm being charged a hefty fee to to get my tokens moved, regardless of what the amount is. You know, it can in fact the amount that I transfer can technically be lower than the fee that I'm being charged because there's a set yep. fee on that. That is so frustrating. 
That is so funny. Yep. I agree. This is this is a common thing. I'm glad we actually bring the, you bring this up because um, once people become even slight novices when it comes to crypto, they realize that unless they're willing to host their own wallet, which is in itself somewhat complicated depending upon what coin you get into, and even if it's a relatively new coin, it's still going to be somewhat complicated, is uh, that if you're going to start transferring, even things like Exodus, like you've seen my video, I've really kind of put Exodus down because of two things. One, um, transfer fees, they don't let you choose. There's no ways of, of picking a slower transfer rate just to pay a smaller fee. They always pick the ha highest and most quick transfer. And that's mainly because they're a novice site. They're a site for novices. So, um, But the other thing is they, um, they have a minimum requirement for any amount, any coin to have. So unless you're willing to put in a minimum of $30 into any coin, you can't transfer between one coin and another. And all transfers are a minimum of $30 worth before you can make a transfer. Now, this is the thing that bugs me. And I wanted to, to, to go into this about Coinbase, which is easily the largest, probably most popular, if not the largest uh, exchange in existence. Um, I'd say Binance might be bigger, but Coinbase is really well known in the US. Um, and it's because they, they position themselves as being that, you know, we're the... The new people, when new people come in, they want us, they want them to use, you know, Coinbase because, you know, it's, it's a popular name. They advertise um, their, their American company. So the, uh, the thing that bugs me about Coinbase is they're like, oh, yeah, free, free uh, exchange. You can exchange from any coin to any coin on Coinbase. If they have it on Coinbase, you can exchange it for free. It's not free. It is certainly not free. Now, if you use Coinbase Pro, it can be cheaper, but it's never free. It just appears that you're not paying a fee because if you actually look when you do the exchange and you try to compare the exchange between one coin and another in Coinbase to any other exchange, you can see that they take a 5% fee and basically buy the other coin 5% higher price um, than the actual current going rate. Now, I know why they're doing this. It's, it's partially to make money, obviously, but it's also because the ever-fluctuating cost of coin, it's hard to know if you didn't make that decision within the next 30 seconds if the price would have changed, and it could have. Um, so there are, they're kind of hedging their bet against you making a slow decision, um, but at the same time, the fees are outrageous. So the other exchange you're talking about, it kind of makes sense why they have these flat fees, uh, but the... The, the frustrating thing is to a person with not a lot of, you know, coin in the game, as it were, like you and I, in this case, you end up having to, to transfer, at least in Coinbase, in order to escape the fees. You need to transfer at least $200 worth of coin mm -hmm. to escape the fees. And with in, almost any other, like I said, with the Tom, with, with uh, Exodus wallet or Atomic wallet, it's a minimum of $30. It, you still get to charge a fee, but it's a lower fee. Um, then if you try to, to, and you can't even, like you said, you can't even exchange anything less than $30 worth of any coin on those two wallets. Um, there are smaller ones I'll talk about, like Yobit, um, which I think is a, a Russian um, exchange, or at least based in Russia. Um, and I used Yobit for years because it was one of the few places I actually, actually find more rare coins that were just uncommon and not in the top 100. Um, but they don't charge anything more than the transfer fee. So it's relatively cheap there. And then, our, of course, you're in my favorite, Celsius. But then Celsius doesn't have a lot of coins on it. Um, and they just don't charge you any fee. Um, 
So the uh, the thing that's, that's frustrating, as well we could say about the exchange you're using, and I know because I have an account with the same exchange you're talking about. I know we talked about this earlier uh, offline, was um, that there are fees. And then, of course, as you're trying to do get dust out of it, um, which is probably another topic we should talk about, uh, is uh, it's just incredibly frustrating to, to like, all right, well, you're charging me $4 to, to move 50 cents. I, I want to new. I just want to move 50 cents. And I don't want to move, move anything. But at the same time, it's like, well, if everybody moved, you know, in increments of 50 cents, we'd lose money. So they're basically trying to force you to not move a small amount of money. Right, right, right. And on top of that, it, it forces me not, it prevents me from not closing my account. And that's ultimately what I, what I would have done if they allowed me to withdraw all my dust out of it. But but I couldn't. It's still to, the, to this moment, regardless that I made a transaction that cost me four dollars, which would actually before I tell you what the percentage was that 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 particular transaction cost me, I want to ask you what is your highest transaction fee that you paid? Just a second. Uh oh, <laughs> did you get disconnected? Yeah, hold on. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah, you sound very far away, but far I can hear you. Just uh, me off of uh, Bluetooth, so hold on a second. All right, well, while you get connected, um, I'll go ahead and tell you that that last transaction that I did uh, yesterday, um, it cost me, in percentage, it cost me about 25 to 30% in, in a fee. 30%. 30%. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane, man. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, when you break it down in percentages, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of coin, you know, for the amount that I was withdrawing. Um, it, but the, it's still not the highest that I've paid. In fact, you mentioned Coinbase and I'll, and I'll talk about Coinbase too, because uh, I had some dust on there that I wanted to get out of it. And the only way I was able to get, get it out of there um, was to, purchase another dollar I, I all i needed was one more dollar to withdraw the tokens out of coinbase right yep. but it cost me a dollar to buy a dollar yep, yep. and on t- and on top of that if i want to convert it into another token it's going to cost me another dollar on top of that right so i'm like okay that's already 50 percent in fees right there that's insane all i wanted was one dollar yep. that's it just so i can take out my dust out of there that's insane yeah that's it but like you said, it's not. It's designed. It's it's purposely created that way so you, they so you're prevented from withdrawing. You 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 basically as 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 a customer don't want to do that, right? right? But I wanted to see how how realistic it was. So I said, you know what? Let me try this to see if it goes through. Yes, obviously it did go through. They were happy to take my one dollar, and uh, and just said, okay, go on, go on. You you got your one dollar, and it cost you one dollar. That's that's insane. Um, obviously, I won't do that again. Uh, there's uh, there's other ways to uh, to do that. Like you said, uh, so move it over to Coinbase Pro and take it out of there. Uh, but you know, I wanted to see how how realistic it was, and yeah, I, I went ahead and did it. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with the the weird factors of. I mean, I will say that for the the. How do I put this exactly? The unfortunate factor involved in uh, 
Coinbase's decision to, to do that to its customers. At the same time, they were taking a pretty big leap into this market that was, you know, very unsure or very uncertain. It was, how do you know for, you know, for sure that it's even going to work? And so they built in these fee structures to try to protect themselves from the potential dangers of uh, the coin, you know, cryptocurrency market. Um, so I don't really blame them for taking the decision, but at the same time, when they position themselves as kind of this, you know, small time investor uh, company, you're like, well, why can't you just make it easier for us? And they're like, well, you know, put more money in and then it won't be as hard. And you're like, well, I don't have more money. And they're like, well, too bad. You know, such is the, uh, the situation you're running into. Um. <laughs> One thing I do like about Coinbase that I'll give them um, a positive on this is that there is they're, they're, they're willing to absorb the transaction fee if you're willing to deposit via faucets. So I, I look on at different websites to check out different faucets and see if it's even beneficial to invest my time into it. Because it costs, it, it, regardless if it doesn't cost me money, it's still going to cost me time. So depending on how much time it's going to take me to put into uh, doing these faucet, faucet games and, and accumulate a certain amount of coin and then transfer it over to Coinbase. See, Coinbase in, at that point is willing, at a certain threshold, they're willing to absorb that transaction fee for you. So that's the positive that I'm willing to take with them. I'm like, okay, I'll give them that. That's nice, you know? So um, I I think to date, I've probably accumulated, I don't know, somewhere, it's gotta be over like 50 bucks. So, you can, and that's all in small transactions. I'm talking about just a few, like $5, $10 here. Um, and they're willing to absorb that. You know, I make that transaction. I move, I move my coins from the faucet over to Coinbase, and they're willing to absorb that transaction fee for me. So that's that's okay. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. But then when it comes when it comes time to withdraw, that's where they'll get you. Okay, now you want to withdraw. Okay, now we're gonna try right. your fee. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of them have different techniques for doing that. Right. 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 So. I want to talk about family and trying to get family um, involved with crypto. What's your experience of getting your family members or your friends or strangers um, uh, more acquainted with, with crypto in general? Um, have you had a positive experience, a negative experience? Are you able to get some people to, uh, to understand what crypto is? Are you able to get, get family members, friends, um, uh, co-workers connected with crypto and have them understand what, it, it's, what it's generally about. i don't i've been doing this pretty probably pretty much as long as you have been doing it it is a ridiculous challenge um i'm not entirely certain that unless the person has a proclivity for the concept or is somewhat technically minded that they're ever going to go for it so um my brother was on board from the beginning, but he's very technical. He, he's a math guy. He knows finance. He's been doing it for years. To him, it was a no-brainer. Um, yeah, he, he, we all had the same, you know, general learning curve to figure out how this, how it all worked. But um, he, uh, he didn't, he didn't have any problem with it. 
So, I mean, he and I have talked about it a couple of times. We've used pretty much all the same apps. I probably use more than he does in general because he's more interested in the investment side and, and not really interested in mining at all. Um, but uh, my cousin, whom I got into this about two and a half years ago, uh, he's more of uh, an investor, but he's got a family he's trying to support and he's he's been struggling a lot. I'm not going to go into his story, but I'm basically trying to say that that he's always looking for a deal. And so I tried getting him into crypto mining when he bought a house, but after running it for a, about a month, he's like, it's way too expensive. My power is too, it, it's like, you know, 18, 18 cents per kilowatt. There's no way I can possibly afford doing this. So he quit and gave me my hardware back. Um, but he kind of, at that point, had gotten the bug of, of thinking about crypto in the sense of what it could be. So I got him to Celsius and I got him into a couple of the exchanges. I gave him some money when, when crypto.com was doing their free, free uh, giveaway. Uh, he got the $50 bonus out of that. Um, and every single time I do a new finance thing, I usually tell him about it because he's financially savvy enough to comprehend how, that he can make money on it. But he doesn't really... And it's not like he's an engineer too, but it's not really his forte. It's not really his thing. Crypto is not his thing. So he says like, if I can make money at it, great. If not, I don't care. So, but if like other family members, I have talked my head off and they're just not interested. It's just not their thing. They're not, I talked to my mom, I talked to my grandmother, I talked to these people. They're just like, that's nice for you. I don't understand it and I'm not going to try I'll listen to you talk about it, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So, right, right. I, I, yeah, I have the same experience. Um, there's, uh, you were obviously around during the 2017 boom, and um, my experience with that, I try to get everybody into it before it went up. I said, you need to buy Bitcoin now. It's going to go up. It's going to boom. You're gonna you're gonna miss your opportunity to make some good coin off of it. Um, even if you want to cash out, you're going to make a lot of money off that. You just got to, you just got to just, just do it. Just jump into it. Obviously, a lot of people didn't want to do it. Um, and those that did, they cashed out way too early. Like they pretty much just did a 2X and then, then they were happy with that and just, just jumped out. It's, it's, it's scary to see the rise go up. In fact, I stood by and just watched it go all the way up and come all the way back down because I was confused. I didn't understand what the heck was going on. I was watching the market go up. And why? It didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense at the time. It was just one of those flukes that just happened, right? Um, but when it comes to family members, they looked at it and and they started calling me. Everybody started calling me saying, hey, I, I'm hearing about this Bitcoin going up. I want to try to get into it. I'm like, well, you don't want to get into it now. It's already at 20 grand. You definitely don't want to get into it at the top. Don't forget it. Just you're a little too late. Just wait till it goes down. And when it goes down, then buy back into it. Then that's when, that's when I'm going to refer you to it. Um, so when it went back down, uh, no, I'm not interested. It's, it's okay. I don't want to get into it. Why not? It doesn't make any sense. Why do you want to buy at the top right now? It's at the bottom. It's, it's down at like three grand, four grand. You can buy it at this price point. It's, it's beautiful to see it at this price point. You want to buy it at this price point. There's nothing wrong with the code. There's nothing wrong with, with Bitcoin. There's nothing wrong with it. Just people decided to cash out and take the money and go elsewhere with it, you know, but there's nothing wrong with, with the protocol. It's fine. Still there? Uh oh. Uh oh, Jake. Did I lose you? Can you hear me, John? Oh, I hear you. I, I see hear now you. that okay. I can't. I can't not be on the screen. 
<laughs> when when I'm talking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, apparently, since this thing kicked me out, and I, yeah, my phone's been ringing off the hook, so I had to basically shut it, shut off the phone functionality, so I can talk on this. Anyways, um, oh, man. So what I was trying to say is, uh, to to be at the forefront of a new idea is to is to be effectively alone. Um, it, it it's you will find a couple of friends like you and I are both friends and are both at the, not even the bleeding edge of, of blockchain anymore, but um, both into it. I mean, we wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be doing a podcast if you weren't in, into it. Um, but uh, it is not that weird to be alone on a new idea. I've been alone on a lot of new ideas a lot of the things I've done in my life, like like I was into IOT before anybody knew what IOT was, you know, internet of things. Um, just nobody was there. Like I was into, let's take, take a step further back. In 1999, when Wi-Fi first came out, I was on board and I gave Wi-Fi through the, the terribly slow five megabit uh, DSL connection I had um, to all of my neighbors through Wi-Fi which they thought was magic, honestly. Um, and and over the next few years, Wi-Fi became a thing. And people are like, oh, yeah, this white thing. You heard of this thing? What? J- Jake? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have. I've been doing it for since it came out. And they're just like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, yeah, I was there on the bleeding edge. And I tried telling people about it. No one wanted to listen. It's fine. I've gotten used mm-hmm. to being on the edge of the new tech. I've been doing it for 25 years and wow. all kinds of new tech. Wow. And I, I was into electric cars long before they became a thing. I knew the founders. I've met the founders, the people who founded Tesla before Elon Musk got involved. They came to my uh, electric auto association uh, show to show off the, the prototype of the Tesla Roadster before it was a thing. So I know about this. I've been there and it's not weird. Silicon Valley where I used to live, it's that kind of place. Um, It's Mm -hmm. nice to be in Silicon Valley because there's a lot of people there who are all into new tech. Um, And so you kind of feel like you have friends when you're on the bleeding edge of technology. But when it comes to to blockchain, it's brilliant, but it's new still, even though it's been around for 11 years, it's still new. Um, And, it's just, it takes time for people to adapt and, and get into it. So it's like, we can encourage people to go along with this. You and I already have done this and we haven't, we know other people who are doing it. Maybe not to the degree that we are, but um, if we reap the benefits of blockchain, being not the kind of people who are just going to hoard the facts, because we, we were trying to invite people to go along with this the whole time. It's fine. We're talking about it now. And in, let's say, four years from now, when blockchain is even bigger than it is now, and it's much more popular and more people know about it, they'll look back and say, look, blockchain, John and Jake, they were on top of this years ago. And look where they are now. Probably multimillionaires mm-hmm. because we got into, you know, Ravencoin when it was small. No. <laughs> the, the only disadvantage of, of um, the protocols or the algorithm, like for example, Bitcoin, is that it's still not 
really easy to understand how it all works. I mean, you can explain it, but it's still not there for the masses. You know, when I first got into it, it was difficult for me to understand because I, there's been a lot of improvements and it's made it easier for me to see it visually. But at the time, there was no user interface. There was no there was no images. There was only code. That's all it was. And so for me, not knowing what code is, it was mind boggling. I don't understand what I'm looking at. You know, even trying to read Satoshi's white paper, I had to read it multiple times to understand what blockchain was. And even then, after that, I still had to try to believe and understand what it is. Right. For me, it was it was financial freedom. That's when I read that. I was like, wow, this can change my life. That's, you know, after I read it, but I have to believe it and I have to actually, I actually have to not just dip my toes. I got to jump in. I got, I got to try to figure this out and, and, and swim with the, swim with the whales. Right. Um, but there's, there's been a lot of updates. In fact, there's a new update coming out that's being worked on right now. The, um, snore tap boot and tap script. Have you heard about those? The, the what again? Uh, snore signatures. No, I, I haven't heard of that. All right. Well, Snore Signatures um, has been in the works for quite some time now, for a few years, and I've been following it. And now they're finally starting to uh, – there's going to be a vote pretty soon, or if it hasn't happened, there's going to be a vote pretty soon to try to integrate in a soft fork, in a Bitcoin soft fork, to, to, uh, to add Snore Signatures into the Bitcoin algorithm. So what that does, it's going to um, alleviate, alleviate a lot of congestion within the blocks, which is going to allow more tra transactions to be – um, added within the block. So that means that there can be more users that can use the blockchain, Bitcoin's blockchain, right? Because as of right now, you know, Ethereum, for example, Bitcoin as well, um, they're congested. The Bitcoin blocks are congested. And once they fill up, it's going to cost us, the general folks, a lot of a lot of money in fees, because obviously the higher fee that's 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 uh, that's put forward is what the miners are going to choose primarily right. first, right? So what Snore Signature does is that they'll gather up a multitude of different transactions and batch them together. Every transaction has a signature attached to it, right? That signature actually does hold a, a certain amount of bytes, right? It holds yep. a certain amount of data. What Snore Signature does was actually, it's going to cut off that tail, that signature. Uh, once it's all verified, it's, I, I'm assuming it's going to sit in the, in, in the meme pool, right? And once it's verified that these, the, that these transactions are actually legitimate, they're going to be all wrapped, right? They're going to be all wrapped in one transaction and signed once. So you're going to have 100 or 1,000 transactions batched up into one signature. And so instead of having 1,000 transactions with 1,000 signatures with 1,000 bytes of data, right, you're just going to have one transaction wrapping these 1,000 transactions with one signature attached to it. That's amazing. That's gonna alleviate a lot of congestion within the blocks. So that's that's exciting to hear about uh, Snore Signature finally, finally making a move, finally coming yeah. out, right? Yeah, that that will help. I mean, a lot. There are amazing number of transactions happening, obviously, in, in the two largest big, um, not bitcoins, but cryptos out there. And it does, it's funny because it's you know, hopefully there is the need for adaptability and uh, uh, transaction changes, and of course. What was the point of of uh, cryptocurrency in the first place was to make things more transparent and faster. And as things progress, when we, I was looking at this just yesterday uh, to try to figure out if I could store, you know, keep my own copy of, of uh, Ethereum locally on one of my computers and you know, be a node, basically. Um, and I was like, it's, like, it's about 35 gigs. 
I have that much space, but do I really want to dedicate 35 gigs just to have an Ether wallet? And yes and no. I don't have the space on the computers I want to use it on, but at the same time, it's going to continue to grow and I have to adapt. But I want better control. It's really kind of the end goal, goal of this. And it's like if a person wanted, let's say a, a, a crypto muggle, wanted to, uh, uh, I'm appropriating Harry Potter in this case, yes, um, wanted to, uh, uh, you know, be able to transfer a lot of Ethereum or a lot of Bitcoin at their own, you know, uh, pleasure or, or, you know, without b- being dependent upon an exchange, they'd have to download the whole blockchain, you know, and who wants to do that? Some people do, not everybody. <laughs> So um, how do you make it easier? Well, eventually, hopefully, that will become a thing. Like maybe in the future, Bitcoin and or Ethereum will transfer to some other coin and and all the value that's currently in those coins will go to something else. Something that's faster. I I couldn't even name what that would be right now. But it is programmably possible that eventually that we won't need. I mean, I'm not saying Sora is bad. Uh, it's probably very good, but once Snore becomes the less popular or is no longer capable of handling the, let's say, billions of transactions that we're hopefully able to uh, accommodate with the new changes, uh, then we'll have to come up with a new one. And it will keep continue to adapt and grow. Have you I used have, the yes. Lightning Network? Do you give it a positive um, or a negative? I'd say it's generally positive. From my experience, I, I think it's amazing, and I've used it. Uh, I've used it for transactions. Um, on so, uh, maybe maybe it's the wallet. Maybe it's the wallet wallet that I use that that's just so amazing. Uh, but it, it, transactions are basically instantaneous. They're they're not ten minutes like uh, right. the Bitcoin Core. Um, they're, they're instant. They're, I can't believe how instant it is. You know, that is amazing right there to see that Bitcoin right. can now do this. To me, that's 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 real use case right there. Now I can actually go to the store and not worry. Okay, now I got to say, in fact, here's here's something that I actually did experience. I actually did go to an, uh, a Bitcoin ATM machine um, a few years ago. Uh, I think Bitcoin at the time, it was a... Uh, I don't think it was over two grand at the time. It had to be probably a thousand five hundred. I think it was at the time. It was it was years ago, um, but still, regardless, I still had to wait there for forty five minutes. I, I I didn't leave until I made sure that my bitcoins cleared. Um, I, I think it was a minimum of six blocks. It had to clear six blocks before I can get my uh, my bitcoins in my wallet, and that's frustrating to sit there and wait and wait at the mall and just waiting and waiting and waiting four to five minutes when now we have now we're we're at that point of advancement with the bitcoin protocol that we have this second layer that is literally i snap my fingers there's a transaction it just happened that is lightning network right. that's amazing how fast that is i love it right. i love it. that's my that's my my well, two, my I mean, two what are the, on that. i guess I can't remember which company it was that was doing it. I think they were using Lightning for one of the exchanges I was 
you know, using to uh, move coin back and forth between. Um, of course, there's a fee when you take it out and there's nothing to put it in. But the um, it is, I have used that that exchange was using lightning. And so it was you know, like instantaneous. It, it happened. It's like, of course, I want it to be fast, but I also want it to be accurate. So um, I'm not saying lightning isn't accurate. It is. Uh, but it is along those lines that we need to make progress and continue to be able to make transactions, you know, quickly and easily. Um, if we want people to become more familiar with these concepts of, of cryptocurrency, it's great that you made it. It's great that you made a coin, right? Whoever you are, whatever person made it, decided to make it, Satoshi Nakamoto or whatever. But if no one can use it, how valuable is it? You know, maybe you built in slowness to a network to prevent people from stealing the money. And this is one of the things I think with, I don't remember which exchange it was uh, recently. Uh, it wasn't even a whole lot that the thieves got away with. Um, it was, I think it was Robinhood. Um, if Robinhood was hacked or a different, uh, you know, uh, exchange. But uh, knowing where the coin was, was stolen from, the... Uh, the various exchanges basically put a block on those those coins so that they those those thieves couldn't move the coin, couldn't exchange it, couldn't sell it, couldn't do anything. And I, 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 it I'll might be have been rubbish. I don't remember if that was exactly, but um, I just appreciated that the exchanges were willing to to make the point of holding back those individuals, even though they may may not have known who they were. Um, so that and I just wish that had been the case when like Kraken, uh, Kraken was was hacked years ago uh, or even um, Mt. Gox or something like that, that there had been, uh, you know, a way to slow the attack or slow the, the transfer so that you could spend a little bit of time and possibly figure out who was moving the money around. Yeah, there's a new uh, another another protocol coming out, another um, soft fork that's being worked on right now, and I think uh, I don't remember the name of it, um, but it wasn't too long ago that I was talking about it. I was reading a, one of the um, uh, one of the updates. Um, I forgot the name of it, but uh, it was talking about that it's it, it's going to give you uh, the the ability to. Uh, on rare occasions, depending on how uh, how you moved it, you can actually do a reverse transaction if it wasn't intended for the for the particular address. Maybe it's a bad address. Maybe it's the wrong address. Maybe it's a uh, a bad transaction overall. Maybe you just um, want to take your money back because you didn't get paid, or you didn't, or you didn't want a certain service. You know, you can do that. But that's still being worked on. I forget got the name of it and i forgot which product i don't know if it's bitcoin or another uh blockchain i read so much stuff that it's all just mumble jumble now right um but yeah that's uh yeah that's that's one of them um let's see talking about um okay what about bitcoin cash have you used bitcoin cash in uh in its uh native in its native platform I, when uh, native bitcoin first split into bitcoin cash and bitcoin gold I believe I had a good chunk of Bitcoin at that time on Coinbase. And Coinbase is like, well, we're splitting. 
Um, so we're going to have to give everybody an equal portion of these other two uh, coins when we split. Um, you know, when, when we get forked. And uh, so I received the e equal portion of each of those other two uh, two splits uh, when that happened when I was a member of Coinbase. I'm still am, but I mean, I didn't. I don't have any uh, Bitcoin on Coinbase right now. Um, so yeah, I did have some, and I immediately sold it. <laughs> okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't have Bitcoin on Coinbase at the time, but I, I remember reading years ago when this happened. Um, Bitcoin, uh, Coinbase actually didn't want to give up the Bitcoin Cash because they have the right yep. to do that. They basically are the, are, are the wallet holders, and at the time, um, they didn't want to list Bitcoin Cash. Yep. There, there was. was a lot of pushback oh, yeah. from customers, thousands and thousands of customers. Yep. People were furious about that. They said, "We want our we want our Bitcoin Cash." Well, in fact, they ended up listing it, but customers were so upset because yep. they could have cashed out at yep. the top. And made a lot of coin, but they that's waited right. till the value exactly of it went all the way down. And once it settled at the bottom, and that's yeah, and that's when they finally said, "Okay, we're going to list it." Now that it's down yep. 50, 60, 70 percent, it's like, yeah. well, what's they the just point didn't want to lose the money, and nobody sued them, or maybe if they did sue them, I didn't see it um, over. So yeah, I mean, why is it that Robinhood shuts down when when um, when trading gets high? Because they don't want all the money to walk out the door. Well, yeah. That also goes with Coinbase. Coinbase does that religiously. Every time the market moves up 10%, down 10%. Yep. Same thing with Gemini. Same thing. Robin Hood's another example. You know, they all do this. That's why I, I highly recommend having multiple accounts with multiple exchanges because the, I, the hope is that when it goes down by 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%, you can buy coin. That's that's what I want to push. Hey, buy coin when it goes down 50%. But don't just have one account on one exchange because, for example, if you have that one account on Coinbase, guess what? You're not going to get your transaction. You're not going to be able to buy anything because they're going to they're going to freeze accounts. They're going to say, hey, we're having issues. Uh, we can't do anything right now. But if you have a four, five, six, seven accounts on multiple exchanges, you have a higher possibility of buying your Bitcoin Hopefully by one yeah, of these no, exchanges no, 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 The ones that you're, I shouldn't advocate for any of this stuff, but uh, exchanges like BitMEX or um, Bit7 will let you do those. If the if the price goes up, you know, three thousand U.S. dollars, you can sell because they're not they're not uh, bound by the laws of the U.S. because they're not in the U.S. Um, and so, and I mean. Even Binance will let you do it because they're not in the U.S. They're in Hong Kong. Well, looks like I looks like I lost you there for a bit. You got you got disconnected there for a bit. Go ahead and uh, you're, you're you're connected again. Go ahead and repeat that. Which part? I don't know. I'll just say the whole thing again. Uh, that uh, there are places out in the world like uh, Bitmex and Bit Seven um, and Binance, which are not in the U.S. And these companies that are in the U.S. are bound by the the, the rules of the U.S. Um, and the rules of the U.S. unfortunately are very, uh, not just strict, but almost damning um, when it comes down to mass transfers of money. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but one of the laws that was put into place with the Patriot Act was to reduce the amount of money that you could cash, you could you know transact from one person to another um, when it when it's you know through a, a check or a wire uh, 
it's it's five thousand, or it might be twenty five hundred, but I know five thousand. We used to be ten thousand, then it became five thousand, and so it's basically because they're trying to prevent um, large transactions from going through to what they deem as terrorist activity. When really, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist on this in general, but uh, it's it's just a way of tracking what everyone's doing more closely. Um, I, I I was thinking uh, years back before the Patriot Act actually went through and, and made this restriction, I had a friend who was trying to build a pool in his backyard. And a pool, a normal pool would be like twenty five, thirty thousand, 30000 know, all cost included, uh, labor and everything. But he was trying to build a really big pool in a really expensive area. And his total cost was going to come to closer to sixty, sixty five thousand. 65000 He spent many, 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 many weeks going to every ATM that his bank had and pulling out the maximum amount of $300 so that he could amass $65,000 in cash <laughs> without you know, putting, uh, setting off uh, warning bells in the bank system um, so that he could pay the people in cash um, without you know, flogging himself. Um, and it sucks that a person would have to go to that kind of level of extent just to get that kind of thing done um, because his own government is so suspicious of his activity. He's just trying to build a pool. He's not selling drugs. He's not paying people to destroy the United States. He's building a pool for his family. It's simple. And the same thing, I'm basically ripe. I'm getting at with, with Coinbase and, and uh, uh, Gemini is that the U S government controls things in this country. Yes, it might be one of the most prosperous countries in the world, but the U.S. government is very jealous of its citizens and wants its share. And if you don't give it its share, it will make your life a living hell. I, I could go into another story about a family member that went through that bit. That, I say that my grandmother's cousin, uh, whose late husband hadn't paid taxes for 15 years before he passed away. It was very messy. <laughs> it was a very messy and very painful situation for her to have to go through. But she had no idea that any of that was going on. She was not a party to his his activities. But he didn't like paying taxes, so he just decided not to. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that yeah. Coinbase and Gemini and companies that are based in the U.S. do this for a reason. Um, and it's not just because they're jealous but because of all kinds of different aspects, they want their taxes. Right. So um, it's, it's, it's one of the main reasons we went to crypto, right. To get free from these issues. And the thing that I couldn't, I couldn't remember one of our previous podcasts, I think. Um, um, I, I can't remember the guy's last name. I can remember his first name now, Milton, Milton something. Um, not Milton Bradley. That's a game manufacturer. Um, <laughs> uh, famous, economics professor, famous economist said that we really desperately needed to get get away from the current financial system. And he said that 50 years ago. So cryptocurrency is the answer. Thank goodness for cryptocurrency. Sorry for ranting again. Um, Exchanges suck, but they suck because the Fed sucks, not because they themselves suck. Uh, General Electric, Jack Welch. Jack Welch. No, 
It's Milton. Would that be it? Uh, Would that be it? You, no? Yeah, it's not Jack Welsh. Um, it's... Uh, all right. There's something I do want to bring up before I forget it. Um, you did you did mention that other exchanges out there, uh, outside of the United States, is pretty much forced to follow American rules, right? American. They 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 sort of do, but they definitely don't always do. I guess like Bit Seven, they don't follow U.S. rules. <laughs> right, right, it, and I think I th- what I want to bring up is I think BitMix. Uh, I might be wrong on this, but I think it was a BitMix. That was actually challenged by the. Yeah, they the, were. Uh, Federal Next Reserve, was the challenged, right. Reserve banks. Uh, okay. 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 So that that's what it was. Okay. So they were challenged recently, saying, "Hey, we want you to tell us every American um, that is yep. transaction on transacting on your platform," and and BitMix is like, uh, "Screw you! We're not even an American company. We're yeah. not going to follow your rules. We're going to do what we want to do." Uh, we they've done their part where they said you know what they Mm -hmm. centered they blocked them if people use vpns to get uh, into this this uh we have that's not our fault (laughs) they exactly exactly and that's what and that's what they said okay well what do you want us to do they're using vpns you know we did our part you wanted us not to uh, allow american customers to access our websites that's what we're doing we blocked all american ip addresses but guess what uh, vpns allowed Americans to use it. So it's not their fault. It's not their fault. Um, Anyways, so another thing in regards to control and controlling the money, and you're talking about um, withdrawing a limited amount of money out of ATMs. Now, here's a scary thought about CBDCs, right? That's the new thing coming out. That's basically going to be like the new stablecoin that governments are going to be providing to basically all nations. Every nation is going to have their own CBDC. Hopefully, there's going to be something a little more united, maybe. But then again, do we really want that? Does the average American or the average citizen in whatever country they're in, do they want an average? Maybe maybe third world countries. Maybe Maybe it's a big advantage for third world countries to have a CBDC something that they can easily access and, and do a transaction with. So as of right now, as of yesterday, as of this weekend, um, China is the first one that finally did it. They finally had their CBDC out in the wild. It's out there. It, the people, they have several thousands of customers oh. or users using the, the Chinese first CBDC. They're using it to go, to go to gas stations. They're filling up. They're going to the stores. They're buying their chips, their hot dogs, their, their, their big gulps. I don't know if Chinese drink so, gold, make sure we so, clarify yeah. our acronyms for uh, for the people who may not know what they mean. CBDCs. Uh, good question. CB uh, CBDCs. Let's see. Central bank digital currency. All right. So every so I'm gonna read this. Uh, what is a central bank digital currency? A central bank digital currency uses a blockchain-based token to represent the digital form of fiat currency of a particular nation or region. A CBDC is a centralized is centralized. It is issued and regulated by the competent monetary authority of the country. So there you go. So that's why I'm saying all the governments around the world are going to be creating their own CBDCs. Pretty much every nation is either in the works of creating their own CBDC or is studying how CBDCs will benefit their nation. So that's that's basically every. How every would you say the, the U.S. is dealing with right the now. concept of uh, 
stable coins because right now there are a lot of stable coins based on the U.S. dollar. Um, but are are there any stable coins based on the Chinese yuan or the or the Russian ruble or the Indian rupee? You know, uh, the, the the thing that's kind of sad when it comes to that is the U.S. dollar is one of the most, ironically, besides um, the euro, uh, stable coins in the world. Um, and when I look at things like maybe the Japanese uh, yen or the Chinese. I wonder, are they as stable? They're probably stable. You know, the euro is stable. The pound is stable. Pound sterling. Um, Canadian dollar is somewhat stable. Australian dollar is somewhat stable. But there are plenty of countries that do not have stable currencies. But when they start making their own currency, digital currency, as you're saying, um, will there be a stable coin associated with it? Probably not. But um, maybe they might have one locally in their country just to have something as something you could trade to that wasn't, you know, that local fiat currency's digital coin. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking right now on CoinGecko to see uh, what other stable coins are out there. And I know there's some stable coins that are paid to the euro, um, but I don't know exactly which ones they are. Also, um, quick. I did just realize this in thinking about uh, the CBDCs that you're talking about. Uh, at the point that a, a government starts representing their fiat currency in a digital format, what prevents them from literally making limitless coins? Nothing's preventing them. They can do whatever they want. They can literally plug it. It just no, makes it that, easier. That's the problem. To that, that's the problem. The, the that's thing that the U.S. has that, been struggling with lately yeah is the mass infusion of dollars into the economy when we were struggling with a pandemic, but it's also devaluing our, our currency. So if you make a digital coin to go with your physical coin or physical dollar, whatever you're using, um, fiat currency, um, is that an addition or the same? So it's like, do you, as soon as you have like, you know, let's say 120 US dollars in your pocket, is there a digital duplicate of that or equivalency of that and if an equivalency how do you track that that would be really challenging i think in the, for the u.s to do honestly uh china's already on board because they've had um uh what's it called wechat forever and wechat everybody just buys through wechat anyways every like literally you can buy a house you can pay your taxes you can buy a drink with wechat currency um so it's, it's it's not that big as trying to jump over to, to WeChat or to use a digital you, currency. So I did find Euro, Euro, Euro base that is a stable coin, but it doesn't look too stable if it's sitting at a hundred a dollar and eight cents, fluctuating up and down, and it's questionable. There's literally a question mark here. Uh, there's a few question marks in regards to this particular token. So it's down at the bottom, um, but I know there's there's a, there's a Hong Kong token somewhere around here as well. Um, so there's there's definitely some some type of stable coin out there. Is it as stable as the top five? You know, uh, Tether, yeah, USD, Coin, Dai. Dai does fluctuate pretty uh, high. I mean, I I know I remember buying yeah. Dai when it was under one, and then it went up to one point oh nine. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it does. And it, it, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's just the way the protocol is designed. They, they tried. Have you looked at the at the, at the back? Um, end yeah, of I did at one point. Actually, I made a video about it a long time ago. But it was it was it was the whole point of it was to oh, okay. uh, reset when the price goes too high. It makes it it makes it easy to sell, and when the price goes too low, it makes it really super easy to buy. So it encourages it to stay at the single one level. Um, you know, it becomes triply and quadruply and pentuply right, easier right, to right. buy and or sell depending upon which direction it's going. So it, of course, encourages people. But the thing is so weird. And I don't know if it was just a lot of people buying into die and buying into USD Tether. Um, but at some point when the price was going ridiculous, like, OK, why is nobody buying this down? You know, people should be flocking to this because the whole point of keeping it at that one number was that if it ever went too far up or too far down, it becomes ridiculous for you to either keep or not keep the, the, the coin. And yet people were still keeping it. So it's like, it's going way high. It should not be going way high or it's going way low. It should not be going way low, but some people aren't paying attention to the price as closely as they should be. Yeah. There was even a point where um, where Dai had to uh, basically force their hand and make uh, basically take out of their um, uh, out of their what is it their their holdings. They had to actually burn or sell. They had to sell off a lot of their uh, their tokens and their maker tokens. Not to Dai, they had to sell off maker tokens in order to rebalance their one dollar. Otherwise, they would have went under. That's when the whole dip went down. On uh, was it Black Thursday? Um, yeah, everything, everything crashed and die went down with everything else. And they they had to make the decision either this is the first time they've ever done that. They either had to put on the market. And what's what's crazy is that when they did this, they didn't write the code properly. So when they put on the market to sell, somebody literally bought millions of dollars worth right. of die for like pennies. Yep. It, they basically just paid the transaction fee to buy it. You know, and unfortunately, they had a uh, maker maker had to do it again. They go, oh shit, we messed up. Um, what do we do now? They had they were forced once again to redo that. They, but the thing is, they didn't just make this out of thin air. It is a set supply. Of what they had, what they did was they just took it out of the pool once again, and then just redistributed it back into the market and said, okay, we're going to do this again. So that's uh, I'm okay with that. They they screwed up the first time. They're willing to accept it. They didn't reverse it. They said fine. The individual that got that that won that uh, that that won that uh, auction. It is what it is. They won the million dollars. Let them be. Uh, but they redid it and uh, distributed that property. They made their uh, made money back back again. Um, in regards to stable uh, USDCs, yeah, that's a scary thought because that's even more uh, more. That's that, that's invading people's privacy even more, and it's more controlling. The government now is going to be able to control you. That's why. And on top of that, it doesn't. There's no sound security knowing that the 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 government can just literally punch in one plus an infinite amount yep. of zeros and just flood the market with even more stable coins, more USDCs. Or not USDCs, more yep. um, US, no, that, uh, that is the question. That uh, is CBCs. Like, well, as soon as they want more money, they can just print, or in this case, not physically print, but literally just say, okay, there's now uh, 50 trillion more US, you know, CBDC on the market. Um, and, and you're like, great, now the value of our, our you know, that was the whole point of, of making, I, I guess, to jump to the conclusion here, 
uh, of making Bitcoin limited. You know, there's only 21 million co- Bitcoins available. So. Yep. Yep. Perfect. You're, 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 you're unwrapping right where I want to go. Cause that's what, that's what I'll talk about next. So th- that's once again, yeah, like you said, so there's only 21 million and that's, that's why these multi-billionaires are buying up Bitcoin as much as they can. And they're doing it o- o- OTC. Obviously, they're not trying to mess with the exchange right right now. But once that the OTC is exhausted and there's nothing else to buy on the back end, they're going to be forced to buy what's on the market if they want to buy a Bitcoin. And hey, that's why I'm telling everybody buy at those sets, hold on to it because the the, the roller coaster is going to come and it's only going to go up. It's going to go really really high. Um, and, and I say this. I mean, if you look at the numbers. Who would have thought that uh, Fidelity is going to be buying a million? You have, um, what was the other one? Oh, shoot, what's the other? Um, great, you have Grayscale, right? What, there's another one. What's the other one? Ah, shoot. Um, dang it. Well, basically, you're saying that several me. large uh, equity firms bought a large chunk of Bitcoin. Correct. But not only that, uh, so I was watching a uh, YouTube video in regards to a um, uh, what do you call it a uh, a person a, a money manager right that that buy that mm-hmm. that, that invest people's money for them right so this person they didn't disclose who it was or what the amount was um, they just said that they deal with billionaires. And a multi-families, so a multi-family. I didn't even know this existed until I heard this. A multi-family fund. In order for these families to make more money, they connect with each other and and, and yep. pool their money together and earn interest out of that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that existed. But there's somebody out there that will manage that money. If you want four families together, put those four families uh, their income together, and out comes a really good profit. So what these people are mutual doing funds are that kind of generally like. Buying, um... I'm trying to think there's a there's a mutual insurance company that does this kind of thing where you know all the, all their constituents are basically investors and then they all get a, a a portion of the profit depending upon how much they put in um and it also happens to be your your insurance policy at the same time so it's not unheard of it's it, multi-family investing or multi fund type investing it's just a lot of people who with a, with a smaller amount of money who want to form a bigger pool of money so they get a bigger interest rate So yeah, there's lots of those things out there, but there's all, it also depends on what they're doing because it's like some places are in are are nonprofit institutions and they don't want to have to to think about all the ins and outs, and sometimes they can't because of their nonprofit status. So you know they just don't don't complicate this for us. Just make it real easy, and we'll then we'll put our money. Like the church I attended for years, it's got several million several million dollars in the bank, but it's a church. Right. So it can't technically make money. And if it does make money, especially a lot of money, it's got to pay taxes on it. And it doesn't want to pay taxes on that because it's a church. So it, it's the same kind of thing. It's like you're making these things um, profitable, but not profitable in the sense of, of just for the sake of money. They're doing it because they're trying to help the community. Yes, they happen to have a lot of money, but they're not trying to do it because they're trying to pay, you know, shareholders. <laughs> They're just doing it because they're trying to help people more. So let me ask you, why isn't Warren Buffett? Maybe, maybe, maybe you might know a little bit about Warren Buffett. Maybe you might not. But I'm going to ask, 
why is Warren Buffett so um, anti-Bitcoin? Or my opinion, as I obviously don't know his thought on it explicitly, is that it is too new to him. And he's an old guard. He's a guy who's been around for a very long time. He's used to old thought and the way that money works in the old ways. And to him, in my opinion, uh, Bitcoin is a fad that will go away. Now, he might be wrong about that. And I'm sure that some part of his company has probably already bought some Bitcoin just just, just in case, you know, that he's wrong. Um, but uh, to him, and like I said, in my opinion, it is a fad and it's not going to last. What do you see going? What, what do you see going on with CBDCs? Have you studied? Have you looked into CBDCs and see what countries are doing with them? Or, well, I mean, because I didn't even. What, what's what's your insight on CBDCs? I put this. Um, I was aware of some of the smaller countries like Greece that were pro- planning on doing their own CBDC, um, but I think at the same time it seemed silly for Greece to do that since they depended so heavily on the on the euro. Um, but at the same time, for whatever reason, Greece didn't really make some really wise decisions with their investments. Like, I don't know how much you're, you have the finger on the pulse of the real estate market right now, but U.S. real estate is, is facing a similar thing it faced back in 2006 before the crash of 08. Um, and we're getting to the point where, uh, where 08 might, might happen again, um, where the, cra- the real estate crash may happen again. It's getting really dangerously close to that because of the pandemic and because of the current administration. And it, I don't know when this will happen, but obviously it's not going to happen in one day. It might happen over months. Um, but it's, we have this huge bubble. And I'm looking at the same kind of thing in Greece where they experienced the same kind of situation. They made poor financial decisions and then i don't remember how it was 2012 or or 2010 but it was after the financial cra- crash in the u.s greece greece's uh entire economy crashed too but it was because they were doing the same thing the u.s was doing they're just taking the hand going oh uh sub subprime mortgages yeah no problem we got lots of money but it's because they never had that much money before they you know the, the, joining the european union and getting all that money from 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 germany they didn't have to do with it. And this is the problem with either poorly run countries like Venezuela or Greece is the example I'm already using um, is when you give a person who doesn't appreciate money, a gob, a gargantuan gob of money, they're just going to throw it away because they don't really know what to do with it. Um, It's an adage. I don't remember where the adage came from, but somebody had said that, um, it's it, as it is with the, a fool and his money are soon parted. Um, it's because when you have the mental mindset of I'm poor, when you suddenly come into a large amount of money, um, you're still thinking you're poor. And the poor mindset, I hate, I hate to think of it. I'm not trying to talk about like Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, poor dad, but he's got a point. When you think poor, you stay poor. Even if you've got yeah. A huge, huge bank account. You either hoard it all and never spend it, which is what a poor person typically does because they still think they're poor, or else you spend it like it's going out of style and then you're broke again to get back to where you were mentally. So 
the the problem I have with 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 any country making a CBDC is that if you're not good with money now, you're not going to be good with money when a CBDC becomes a, a thing in your country. Um, if you decide to make one, or, you know, whatever country decides to do it. So it's not, it, it's almost like, I hate, I feel like I'm, I'm going into Illuminati conspiracy theory stuff here, but somebody had said that, and I, I don't honestly believe this, but I can see where it comes from. And that's the reason I want to bring it up um, is it seems like we don't teach finance in school. We don't. I remember taking finance when I was in fifth grade. I didn't even have a bank account. Why were they teaching me about finance? Right. In my opinion, finance should be taught in high school or secondary school or right before you go to college when you're going to need to know it. And then it should be a mandatory course again in college so that when you're in your, you know, in life, you know how this stuff works. But the Illuminati conspiracy theory says that there are people within the government and within finance in big finance that are trying to keep the general populace dumb because if they are, they won't know how to invest and then we can just keep exploiting them. And that has definitely been happening over the last 40 years as wages have stagnated for so long. So I guess what I'm saying is that the, the, the general mindset of most people is not of the intelligence of money and how to use it and what to do with it properly. And a lot of people want that. Um, a lot of people wonder, why don't we do this? Shouldn't we do this? Yes, we absolutely should. And it should be done for free and it should be encouraged and it should be a natural, normal process that everybody just accepts. But will it? I don't think so. Because there's a lot of people out there who don't Thank want you. it. And I'm not talking about the people who don't have money. <laughs> right. So I do agree with you that there's going to be a global collapse, not just a national, but a global collapse. Um, once again, like you said, um, not we don't know if it's most unlikely within the next month, the next year, probably two years, maybe three years down the road. Right now, we are breaking. We like you said, we're building up the bubble. The bubble's about to pop, and it's going to happen in, in a few years from now. It's probably going to happen. It's probably going to start within the next year, but we won't see the every effects until every the next recession year takes two, time. It doesn't just happen. Thereafter. In a month or even a week, it happens over years. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I think it's funny that I was going to bring up a different perspective right. on this because it seems like when you've been building up and building up and building up and building up and building up, that you are going to create a, a well, a gas bubble or in this case, a money bubble, and then that money bubble, for whatever reason, is going to explode and uh, just decimate the financial scene. I don't think that actually has to happen, although it does tend to when things get out of control. Um, if you were to you know, be filling whatever you know, substance, and it, the thing that you were filling had the ability to flex for a bit, you know, and you, you end up creating a bubble with whatever you were filling it with, um, it is possible, although I realize it doesn't happen all that often, to deflate the bubble before it explodes and it, we're talking about a, a ephemeral or a false or you know, a metaphysical concept here it's not a it's not a real bubble it's just a concept of a bubble um and 
and maybe it's not even going to burst or maybe it doesn't ever really burst. It just yeah. gets really, really big. And then the money gets siphoned out by someone who had, who was watching the bubble get big, knowing how now he, he or she or they could siphon all the money out of it. And they're just waiting for it to get big enough so they can take all the money. Um, it's like when people do pump and dumps in cryptocurrency. Um, but uh, it, there are people and there was accusation in early March when, when some people who got the news about coronavirus sold a gargantuan amount of their, you know, stocks because they were quote insider people and, you know, inside the white house or inside uh, uh, Congress. And they're like, Hey, why did you guys sell this massive amount and no one else did? And they're like, well, it's just something natural. And they came out later, no, you guys had interfered information and that is illegal. Um, but somebody, somebody's going to know when to stop soon. But I would say that, that Warren Buffett got hit in the, in the crash. He lost a lot of money in the crash that happened in March. Um, so he was not definitely, either he had insider information and didn't act on it because he knew that was illegal or he didn't see it coming and got hit like everyone else. Um, and I would say that it's, um, I don't know if it's a sign of integrity or it's a sign of a lack of, you know, or rather having scruples and then having, having a conscience. Um, I would say Warren Buffett does have a conscience, even though it seems like he's, you know, so far beyond the rest of us in his understanding of finance. Um, and that doesn't mean he's a crook. Uh, but, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm trying to offer the theory that maybe the bubble doesn't explode and end up hurting a lot of people, but at some point we discover a way to stop it from exploding and then just siphon it down. So it doesn't get too big and, and blow up. And I mean, I'm only suggesting this because I don't, I feel like a lot of the time people talk about it and we're effectively media people talking heads by doing this podcast in a sense. And a lot of talking heads just talk about either the aftermath or the buildup. They don't ever talk about how do you fix the bubble before it explodes? Nobody ever does that. Absolutely. They, they don't. Go ahead. Okay. How about this? So how about this? Do you think, do you, do you think it's possible that you, uh, uh, CBDCs might play a role in this and help alleviate. I don't that think CBDCs will necessarily do, necessarily do it unless they, we get really good regulation on them, which of course is up to age in each okay. nation. Um, I I think that uh, how do I put this exactly? Uh, I'm going to go the route of a more and not not to how do I put this. I don't want to. I want. I don't want to sound like a right winger or left winger or a weirdo by saying this, I want to say something that might sound a little different, but not bad. And that is. Well, I, I, well, I, what, what I want to change is, is one of the things at, my wife and I talk about um, this all the time is education you, is key. Education is key. We talk about this constantly. Okay. People were better educated and better knew how to use their education to do the things correctly. Then we wouldn't be running into these problems in the first place. Um, obviously, we can't change the whole world, um, but from the standpoint of thinking outside of yourself, 
what would be the greater good idea? What would be the way of helping everyone achieve their goals and not just me? And that's the thought I want I keep want to come back to is how do we stop the bubble before it explodes? Well, how do we get people to act more on behalf of mankind instead of just themselves? And it's a tricky question because how do you do it without, you know, I don't even go, go into all the, the idiosyncrasies of it, but how do you get people to act in the, in the general good of their fellow man versus just the, the good of their family or themselves? It is. It's a very difficult thing to do, but I'm not saying it's a very difficult thing. In my opinion, that is, although maybe not a popular idea, the best idea for going forward with crypto and going forward with changing the financial landscape of making it look like helping your fellow man with his or her problems is better than just hoarding it and going too bad for you the bubble burst and you didn't win, you know? Right. See, that's what's unfortunate. That's what I really liked about Bitcoin in in its early days is that when it was first created, the whole community, the whole early community, the whole first adopters, they were willing to help each other out. They were literally just passing Bitcoin. It wasn't as valuable back then, but still, it was. It still had some value to it that people were willing to to just give it away. You know. You know what? I'm going to help you out. I'll give you some Bitcoin. Um, it, it got to the point that you 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 know Andreas Antonopoulos, right? He he literally had no money, and he was going out and doing these um, doing these um, uh, 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 speeches, right? Talking about uh, talking about Bitcoin and the blockchain, and nobody knew about that. But he went out and was the advocate for that, right? But it got to the point that he couldn't he could no longer fly financially he, he was he didn't he was he didn't have any money he couldn't fly anymore because he was doing this for free he was going around talking about it and doing this for free so it got to the point where he told the community hey I'm, i apologize i can no longer go out and do this anymore and in present time i can guarantee you people are like you know what screw you 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 decide to do that we're going to take our money and go with it back then what they did was they literally without question they gave him a million dollars. The whole community, not just one person, because you know the, the whole community, thousands and thousands of people pitched in. You can still, you can go to his wallet, right? You can go to his address and look at his his his, uh, his transactions and see all the thousands of people that pitched in fractions of Bitcoin, right? All these satoshis and it, it accumulated up to a million dollars worth, right? And that's how he yep. still was able yeah. to go out and that and is the brotherly love and the, for, and the, the fellow man caring. Um, it, it, is, it does seem to come sporadically. I know that uh, I've heard a lot of great stories, like uh, one that sticks out most in my mind is the guy who was walking 20 miles back and forth across um, Detroit because his car got repossessed and he still had to get to his job and it was 20 miles away. So he walked, but he did, he did it for 20 years. He walked to work 20 miles each way in Detroit where it gets freaking cold in the wintertime. Um, I couldn't believe. I mean, why didn't you take the bus, dude? It's because he lived in a place where there was no bus. That's why he had a car. But yeah. it's like holy moly when when it was just discovered, and if you know, people found out this terrible story about this individual, there was just a massive donation to his cause. Massive donation. They the amount of money that poured in was far more than enough to pay for a car. Um. So it it's. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely good stories out there, good community stories. Another one is uh, Dash. Dash is um, doing a lot of um, uh, nonprofit for uh, for low income over in Mexico. They're building up small little homes, small schools, um, all provided by crypto. Literally, pe people donate their crypto, and once they uh, achieve a certain amount they'll build another home and another home. And what they'll do is they'll design it with different uh, logos, uh, crypto logos all around the building of all these donations that came in and people will live in it. So that's that's a really cool thing that they're doing. Um, but I, I want to get back to uh, CBDCs and transition over right. to UBIs, right? Universal basic income. Now, right. th this is coming in pretty, actually it's, you can go to it now if you want. You can go to, uh, what's the website? Um, the website is uh, Circle Circles uh, Circle Gardens, I think it's called. Let's see here. Um, yeah, Circles Garden. Um, you can go there now and sign up to earn uh, UBI, Universal Basic Income. Now, could that be a solution for this bubble? Could that be the solution for uh, for crypto in general from inflating and deflating? Just give people money. But you did mention, and I want to bring this back. You did mention that once you get people the money or the crypto or any, I guess, type of income, if they're not educated, yeah, that is a common problem. Do with it, I mean, the, the it, right? study that I did on this was regarding um, uh, lottery winners, you, uh, you know, uh, mega millions and Powerball lottery winners. Um, and the problem that people end up running into with these kinds of things is that they make all they get all this this gigantic sum of, of money, and then within no more than five years, and this is generally true for almost every single person who wins the lottery. If they don't manage to, to figure out how to invest it and keep it, they'll lose it all in five years. And if anything, they'll be in a far worse position than they were before they won the money because they just didn't know what to do with it. You know, winning the money sounded like a great idea to them, yeah. but they did not know what, what it would bring along with them. And nobody right. helps them. So it's like, why, in my opinion, and this is one of the things I was trying to start with my, yeah. one of my business concepts was if you win a lot of money, it gets managed for you. You don't just get it. You don't, I mean, you say, oh, well, I, I could do what I want and all, all invested right. rights. You won't trust me. 70% of the people who win large sums of money do not do it well. So unless you can prove to the company that gives you this large amount of money that you can handle it, you can't have it in the large sum that you think you are going to get it in. You're like, Oh, I'll just go buy a big house. Great. How are you going to pay for that house? Oh, I got more money. Well, you should not be doing it off the, the primary and you know, the, the, the main sum you should be doing it in investments that, you know, it, it, people don't even have any concept of it. Like they didn't even pass basic math in high school. So how could they possibly comprehend $10 million or more? <laughs> I mean, I've never even yeah, had more than a million dollars to anything it's, uh, for my entire life. Um, I mean, if you summed up every dollar I made, it might tally that much. But would I don't know what to do with half a billion? No, I would not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just I just want to yeah. put a plug in if you want to check it out. It's joincircles.net. If you want to just I, get I some free uh, UBI with universal basic income. Out, um, um, uh, I'm from to... the standpoint of what people do, 
So I think, and this is, I don't know if it's a Christian thing from my you know personal faith perspective or a um, more of a socialist idea that I've come upon recently, you know, kind of something that I developed on my own and just thought this would be a good idea. And I think it's because there are people who would do nothing if you just gave them enough to give. There are already people who do that now. People on disability, people on welfare, they don't want to do anything. They're fine with getting by on literally nothing. Um, and it's disappointing, but there are those people in the world. And it, it, I don't even know if we're going to be able to change that. But if everyone was guaranteed enough to get by on, that is, I'm not saying $1,000 a month, you know, U.S. dollars, but um, a a point where you knew you always had a place to live, you always had um, food, you always had shelter, you know, and 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 all your quote unquote minimalist bills were paid. I'm not against that because the people who can do the most good will do it anyways. Here's the thing I want to bring up. Um, this was something recent, something literally just a few months ago, when uh, basically our economy shut down at the beginning of COVID. Now, from my experience in my uh, work area, a lot of people had that choice to uh, to leave work, right? Because of COVID, right. they can stay home and work from home or go on unemployment, right? A lot of people, a lot of people decided, you know what, um, they go unemployment because there was a huge benefit of going on a, on unemployment. They were receiving as part timers. They were receiving when, twice, yeah, when they were working. Exactly, I knew I had friends who did that. Income that they were making being employed. Yeah, so yeah. like that's that's crazy. First of all, right. Second, second, a lot of these yeah, people pay cut, want to right. come back to work because <laughs> I know. that means that they will take an, a, an income cut. So, so, so the American government, this is all literally within months ago. So the American government said, okay, fine, we're going to pay you to go back to work, right? So it, it, to sort of alleviate that, that big... Um, Basically uh, subsidizing income, people right? instead that's, of that's, subsidizing that's insanity. farms. That's insanity. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, it just seems kind of strange. Like, well, what? You know, oh, I didn't get subsidized for not working. Right. So, Why do these people who left their jobs get get more money? It just—I mean, I, I've been on on unemployment insurance one time uh, when I lost my job in 2012, and because I lived in the Bay Area, it was barely a fifth mm -hmm. of what I needed to survive. I was like, it—they it, were giving me the max. They're like, wow. but this is much as we can give you. And I was like, uh, I can't survive on this. And they're like, well, then you need to find a job. I'm like, I'm trying to find a job. <laughs> uh, the amount of money is, is so low. It, there's no way yeah, I could possibly actually, afford to, uh, to live off of that. And they're like, yep, sorry, that's what you get. That's interesting because I, I, can, I can relate to you on that because exactly the same year, that's when I, I ended up losing my job as well. And I did the same exact thing. They, I, I, went, I went and I got the... Uh, got the money and it, like just like you it wasn't that much yep. i was first of all disappointed that i worked all the years just only to see 
only to lose my job, but I, I understand why I lost my job. A lot of people lost their jobs. Um, the economy crashed yep. and uh, a lot of, a lot of clients just cut relations, right? It just it literally happened overnight. We, there was about five to 600 people just lost their job. Boom. Everybody got pink slipped and they were gone. Like, wow. Just like that, huh? They came, they, they, they brought us all in. We went in for so-called quote unquote training. We watched this one hour video. Mm. Okay, I thought that would happen for me, but yeah, I know, the, I know the feeling. Like, what? Um, they always give you that, yeah. that sad thing. And you're like, well, you're, of course you were, you were tricked into it. I was, I was brought in by my managing director and he was very, up, very, very down in the face. He was just, he looked so upset. And it's just like, I know what this is. <laughs> and then they walked me out. So, um, but it's like, uh, uh, universal basic income per the crypto thing. I think it's great. I think, I think universal basic income can work and probably will work. And honestly, will push enough people in, the, in, in our current society in the United States toward the idea of socialism. I'm not saying I want to go 100% socialist. I certainly don't want to become communist. But there are more things in this country that need to become socialistic because they benefit everyone. And I think we can raise the standard of living. I think it can be done. But there's a lot of old thought that needs to die first. And I hate to put it that way, but the old biblical story, I think it was uh, Israelites and uh, Moses, I think, who wandered around the desert for 40 years. The reason they did that, in my opinion, is to let the old thought die. They had to let the old people who wanted to go back to Egypt die so that the new people could move forward with their lives. Because it's not like the Sahara Desert's really all that big. I mean, yes, it's a big place, but it doesn't take 40 years to cross it. <laughs> So um, it's an old thought. It's leaving the old thought behind. Right. You need to change the old thought. And right now, old thought is currently running this country. So as soon as the old thought dies, we can move forward and be better. But it, yeah. Right. So bring, bring this all back to crypto. Uh, that's why I'm a big advocate of reading Satoshi's white paper. I think that is... That should be everyone's Genesis read. That should be like the main thing. Read that, understand it, decipher what financial freedom is out of that. And then I think you can get a mindset of where you should go. Like it's there. The, the, the yellow brick road is there for you to read it and guide you yeah, to one. financial freedom. If not, yeah. read Rich Dad. Yeah, I think UBI in crypto, I'm glad <laughs> that you brought that up because it is kind of the next step with the CBDC uh, concept. You know, when we're going with digital currency. Okay, well, and digital UBI, um, universal basic income. It's it it it's going to be different for everybody. Obviously, if everyone like what was was his, uh, Andrew Wang who ran Yang who ran for for uh, president uh, in 2016, and, and or was it was it this year? Well, he ran recently. Um, and he was all on, the, on board with the idea of universal basic income, giving everybody $1,000 a month. Um, oh, um, that would help. Uh, it would help. But the, the point I'm trying to make with this is $1,000 would not help me. Yeah, no, it probably we, wouldn't help you either. Yeah. I mean, it would be a little bit, but we wouldn't be able to live on it. $1,000 a month, not enough to live on for me. Sorry, it's too little. Um, I need several times that over in, in order to live. But that's the problem. Universal in basic income is based on a a bare minimum getting by, not 
the standard that a lot of people are used to. Some people are used to the thousand dollars a month. Some people are used to less than that. A lot of people were used to more than that. Now, if you're talking about maybe middle of nowhere, Midwest, the United States, you know, Bible Belt or something, yeah, a thousand dollars would go a long ways. California, no, it will not hardly go anywhere. It might, it might pay half your rent. It might pay, you know, your car payment and a quarter of your rent. It's not going to pay enough. A thousand dollars is, um, and that's the problem. Everybody's got a different idea of what universal basic income would be, and how do you as, as, associate? How do you figure out what that is? Don't know. It's it's a question we're not going to answer here. But um, I was going to say that I'm glad that you brought up UBI and crypto, and and that you mentioned the website so that people can find it. So I think this podcast may have gone a little too long now. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's okay. I was trying to find this um, this candidate's name. Um, I see his face here. I just I don't see his name on here. Um, geez, come on, it's right there. What are we talking about? Why would they have his image here but not his name? That was Andrew Yang, that's what I said earlier. Uh, the presidential candidate for the UBI. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 uh, yep, yep, okay, there it is. Okay, Andrew Yang, yeah. all right. So, with that said, let's go ahead and close this up. Uh, I just want to make another plug just in case uh, any of the listeners missed it. For that uh, UBI, that's joincircles.net. I'm going to try to get signed up on this as well and just check it out. Because, yep. like I said, I like checking things out and see what uh, see what the pros and cons are about it. Um, so, with that said, you want to make your plug-in? I know I've been checking out your videos on library. I appreciate so, it. I did see um, that you've made some comments. Thanks. That, so they that just recently your, added uh, in a reviews. notification section so I can see when people actually do make comments. Because in the past, you'd have to go to each video just to find it, which is kind of annoying. Um, the uh, yeah, you can check me out on, on YouTube or on library.tv. Uh, either way, uh, YouTube is Jake Jabarelli. The other one is just Jabarelli. Um, uh, Jabarelli is lowercase, but you'll find it if you search for it. All the videos I have on YouTube are automatically get copied over to library um, pretty much every week. So uh, if you don't want to watch ads on my YouTube channel, which at the moment doesn't have ads, but it may eventually, uh, then you can see it on library for free. There's no ads there. So... Or what I what I recommend. Oh, well, yeah, that's one way of getting out of watching it. Is using the Brave um, browser on YouTube. Right. So that's it. That that is Jake Jabrelli. Just a bunch of referral links. 